Okay. Are we ready to go? The second bell is rung. We could get you to come in and take. Praise the Lord. Man, what a great time. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've been reading this book, My Vision of Heaven, or it's called Intramuros and Heaven's Gates. There's, it's been around since the 1890s, and a woman died and was dead for only like three or four minutes in earth time, but she spent three and a half years in heaven. And she writes about it, and I've been reading that. I've read it twice in the last few days, and uh, she's just talking about what it's like. And I tell you what, this was just a little bit of heaven. Kind of like that song says that, man, I can't hardly stand the love of God. It's awesome. I appreciate Daniel and the whole worship team and what they've done. It's just awesome. And uh, What's happening at Karis Bible College is not a person. It's not an individual. It's all Jesus. And he uses different people and stuff, but he's the one that's doing everything and gets all the credit. And one of our greatest blessings is Barry Bennett. Barry is a, just a tremendous blessing. Barry and his wife, uh, Betty Kay, have been missionaries in Chile and very successful. He helped to run a Bible school in Dallas, uh, Spanish-speaking. He's, Span he's fluent in Spanish. And uh, he came here and spent a couple of years just answering our email and ministering to people. And he's written a book. I don't know if you're going to promote that book. But it's uh, some of the questions that came in, just some of the questions that he's answered. And I tell you, Barry is one of the favorite instructors here. You're going to love Barry Bennett. So we're all yours, brother. Thanks. can't be for me. That's got to be from the worship, right? So, all right. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Uh, man, what a blessing. What a blessing to be here. I thought by Friday morning, most of you'd be gone, but you're still here. So, praise the Lord. Well, as Andrew mentioned, I did, uh, when I started here in the ministry, I started, I worked in the phone center for the first four months, answering the phone, praying for people over the phone. Then I was moved over into what we called at that time the correspondence department, and I began answering questions. So whenever Andrew would say something controversial, which was usually daily, uh, that, that, uh, that was job security for me. And so people would write in, and they would uh, send questions. It would be either over what Andrew had said or some other theological question they were having. And that was the best Bible school I've ever been through because for two and a half years, I had to come up with answers. And I had to get in the Word, and I had to pray, and I had to seek things and read, read Andrew's materials. And just, it was a tremendous learning experience for me. But out of that came a recognition 
of the kinds of questions that people have. And many of the questions would be repeated over and over and over and over again. And so when I started teaching over on the CBC side of things, and I was able to develop a course, one of the first ideas I had was, I'm going to make a course called Answers to Important Questions uh, and answer some of these questions that have been repeated many, many times uh, in my email letter writing days. So that course now exists in second year. It's a two-parter. We have um, 16 hours of teaching there. And so with under uh, Gary's inspiration, he's asked me to put together some of that and some other questions. And so we now have this uh, book that has come out, uh, and we have decided to call it, Did God Do This to Me? And uh, because one of the most frequent questions has to do with the so-called sovereignty of God and is God causing things to happen? Does God create evil? That kind of thing. And so that's something, that's the premise, one of the most important questions that people ask. <clears throat> so what I've done, I'm going to read you some of the titles here just to see if you're interested. The book is available uh, next door, and I believe it's also now online. And so uh, if you would like to get a copy, let me give you some of these questions. Why did God create man knowing he would sin? Is God sovereign? Did God predestinate who is saved and who is lost? What has God predestined? What does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth? Is being born again a biblical concept regarding salvation? Does water baptism remit sin? Does God create evil? Does God judge the earth by means of natural disasters? What about Job? How can I know that God loves me? Does the Lord chasten us? Must we forgive others in order for God to forgive us? Is it God's will to heal? How do I get faith for healing? It goes on and on. There's 28 questions here. One about Ananias and Sapphira. What about tongues? What about the tithe? What about the Sabbath? Those kinds of things. If your question isn't in here, it's not important. Right? So, you know, I was, uh, I was reading through this the other day, and I thought, I, I agree with most of it. It's... Uh, but you may not you may not agree with everything I put forth but consider it to be uh, a resource I told the students the other day I have three, three objects here when I teach at school I want to inform I want to inspire or I want to infuriate and if you can learn from one of those three ways then we've succeeded amen so anyway did God do this to me it's available across the hall or online all right. Oh, I was going to give this away, wasn't I? If you have $10, you can have it. <laughs> All right. Praise God. How many of you have decided to come to school? How many of you are still thinking about it? No, that's okay. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to see. All right. This message is for you. Both of you. Okay. I want to talk about why you should go to Bible school. Why you should go to Bible school. And I know we've talked a lot about the call of God, but let me put this out. It doesn't have to be a call of God. Did you know that God will let you make up your own mind? And that you can just go to Bible school because you want to go to Bible school. 
That's why I went. Back when I was first saved, and I, all of a sudden I just had this desire. I had this, this magnetic spiritual pull toward the things of God and toward ministry, which I didn't even know what that meant. And I felt God put something in my heart, and I thought, I need to go to Bible school, whatever that is. And I didn't really even know. And I knew of one in California at the time. I don't know if it still exists. It's called Melody Land Christian Center. They had a Bible school. And then I knew of one in Lynchburg, Virginia, a very well-known Bible school. Those are the only two I knew of. And uh, I was invited to a Bible study one day. I was living in College Station, Texas, and I was invited to a home Bible study, people I'd never met before. And I went in, and on the coffee table in the living room, there was a magazine from a ministry I had never heard of. And I picked up the magazine and was looking at it and turned it over, and it says something about Bible school's summer session begins in six weeks. And the Lord said, go there. And I had no clue what that, what that school is all about. Uh, that was Christ for the Nations in Dallas. And I went there. I had just enough money for the summer term, a six-week summer term. That's all the money I had. And uh, that was my place called there. God provided. And I was able to work my way through and go through two years of Bible school there. But Bible school changed my life. But I decided I wanted to go. See, God gives you more latitude sometimes than you think you have. You don't have to have three dreams and a vision for everything you do. God is at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And sometimes you just need to go because you need to go. You need to have a foundation in your life. People go for different reasons. They go because they're curious. They go because they want to learn the word. That was my excuse to God. I was very specific with the Lord. I said, I don't want to be a missionary and I don't want to be a pastor. I just want to learn the word. You know the rest of the story. So, but God got a hold of my heart. Got a hold of my heart, but I wanted to go. I had a hunger. Some of you want to come just because you're hungry. Some of you because you want to discover your purpose in life. Some of you wanted to have a vision for life. Some of you already have a vision, but you don't know how to bring it to pass. You want to stir up the gift that's in you. There's different reasons. It doesn't have to be, like I say, three dreams and a vision. You might just want to go. Well, go or come. Come to Bible school. The first Bible school, you know, we have a Bible school in Scripture. Go with me to Acts 19. Acts 19. I'll show you why the first Bible school started. Reading in verse 9. But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he, Paul, departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. There's your first Bible school. It was started because of persecution. They were being persecuted, so Paul said, okay, enough of that, let's let's get together. And he spent two years training the disciples, and as a result, the whole region heard the word of God. There are different reasons to come to Bible school. There are different things people are seeking, but you need a foundation for living. You need to know the Word of God, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to to start off in a very well-known scripture. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 2. I guess in my heart this morning, what I want to do is awaken you to something that is happening to you, whether you realize it or not. It's going on 24 hours a day. And if you're not aware of it, 
you're going to find yourself in a place that you don't want to be. It says in Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world. You know, conformed means to be shaped or to be molded, to have pressure exerted upon you so that you take a shape that someone else is determining. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the Bible school part of the verse. That you need to be in a place where you can get your mind so saturated, so renewed, so enlivened to the word of God that the pressures of this society, of this world that are out there will not conform you to their image. We were created in the image of God. We were created in the image of of him to manifest his love, his grace, his power, his glory in this earth. And yet the, the sad thing is, and I see this all the time, is that Christians... And it really breaks my heart when I see young Christians are being squeezed into, conformed to, molded into what the world wants you to be, and you don't even know it's taking place. The way you think, the things you believe, the things you accept in society, what society is telling you to believe. These things are shaping you, they're forming you, they're molding you, so that the word of God is having very little impact in your life, because why? You want to be accepted. You don't want to be rejected. You don't want to be persecuted for what you believe. You don't want to have to deal with society not liking you. Let me me tell you some of the things that have been shaping us over the last generation. See, I'm going to say some things, and some of them may may be, be tough. I don't know. The whole issue of the homosexual movement. See, now, if you just started to flinch, you're being conformed to this world. If I tell you that homosexuality is a perversion, it's abnormal, it's gross, if you're flinching, you're being conformed to this world. If you want to tell me you're homophobic, Barry, no, I'm not. I'm easily disgusted. I know what the word of God says. And I refuse to be conformed to what society is saying. Our Supreme Court may be on the verge of of allowing gay marriage. That's disgusting. If you've lost the disgust for that subject, you've been conformed to the world. You You have submitted to the pressure of society, of the liberal news media, of the entertainment world, of your neighbors, of everyone that is trying to change you into their image. While God is trying to make you in his image. When, you, when we talk about pressure, if you take a piece of coal and you apply pressure to it, and I don't have any scientific knowledge of this, but I just know the general fact that, that you make a diamond from uh, coal under tremendous pressure over time. So we could say that a pressure on a piece of coal will make a diamond, but what will pressure on a snail make? A mess. Yeah. <laughs> See, pressure is going to have different results. If I, if I stand up here and squeeze a rock, if I had a rock and began to squeeze that rock, that rock's not going to change. 
I, my hand will form around the rock, but I'm not changing the rock. If I squeeze a marshmallow, the marshmallow is going to change. Okay, let's make this real simple. What's inside of you, a rock or a marshmallow? What kind of a Christian are you that when the pressures of society tell you what to believe, that you're wrong, they're right, this Bible is an antiquated relic from history. This is a, what if someone comes up to you and says, this Bible is anti-female, anti-woman. This Bible is anti-gay. This Bible is anti-whatever, anti equality for all people. This Bible, and if you don't know what the Bible says with the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you will be conformed and you will feel rejected. And that's what people hate. See, people want to be accepted. Doesn't everybody in here want to be accepted? Don't you just want to feel good? Don't you just want to? And see, people are going to, they're going to be formed and squeezed into whatever mold leaves them in a place of acceptability to their sphere, to their realm where they live. I don't want to be rejected. Go with me to Daniel 3. Now, we don't have time to read this whole story, but Hopefully you're familiar with it. Of the three Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar has set up a gigantic image. And at the sound of all of the music, everyone of his, in his government, in his kingdom, has to bow down and worship the image or be cast into the fiery furnace. See, what's inside of them? What's inside of you? Are you living according to principles or are you living according to preferences? What drives you? What are the principles that you're going to stand on no matter what? And if someone comes up to you and says, bow down and kiss my feet, what's your response going to be? My response is going to be, if you want your feet kissed, kiss them yourself. <laughs> I'm not going to bow down to that. I'm not going to bow down to what society says about homosexuality, about abortion, about socialism. I'm not going to bow down to it because I'm living my life on principles. And I'm going to continue to live on principles as long as, as, long as that they allow me to live. And God's going to deliver me. Amen? Amen? What are you living on, preferences or principles? Let's go to Daniel 3. So the music plays, these guys don't bow down. The, the governors around Nebuchadnezzar freak out. They bring them to him. And he says, we're going to do it one more time. And if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you in the furnace. And we get to verse 16. Daniel 3:16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter, or it's no big deal. All right? Now, this is written in Aramaic, and I want to perhaps... Straighten some theology out here. So a lot of people misunderstand what's happening here. It says, if it be so, our God, if what be so? If you throw us into the furnace, if it be so, you throw us, throw us into the furnace. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. There is a powerful confession right there. They're living by principles. If you're going to throw us in the furnace, God's going to get us out of the furnace. Then it goes on to say, verse 18, but if not, now the traditional religious interpretation to me is, well, he's going to deliver us, but if he doesn't, 
That's not what's being said here at all. That doesn't make any sense. That's nonsensical. If he doesn't, they're going to be french fries. All right? It says, but if not, the word in verse 17, if it be so, is H-E-N, hen, we would say. Uh, This is Aramaic. It says, if it be so that you're going to throw us into the furnace, God will deliver us. In verse 18, but if not, is the opposite, hen, la, H-E-N-L-A. If you don't throw us into the furnace, if you change your mind, that's what's being said here. All right? Did I just help some people? That makes no sense. If you change your mind and don't throw us into the furnace, if you do, God's getting us out, and you're going to look like a fool. If you don't, we're still not going to worship you. That's what's being said here. See, they are living on principles, and they know their God. And they know that if they get thrown into the furnace, they're coming out. And they did. They did. Let's go to Galatians 4. Now, I teach Galatians here in school. And if you're not familiar with the book of Galatians, it's about, it's Paul, very, very animated, very energized Paul, very upset Paul, writing to a group of Christians who had started off well and now are being Judaized, or in other words, they're being led back under the law, and they're beginning to keep the law for their righteousness. And so he's upset, and he's trying to to bring in a word here to correct them. And he comes into this uh, verse 19, Galatians 4.19, he says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now I started in Romans 12.2, be not conformed to the world. And now when you add Galatians 4.19, until Christ be formed in you. Did you know an object will take the shape of the pressure that's being exerted upon it? And if you are being squeezed into the image of this world, and there isn't an equal or superior resistance on the inside of you, then you're being conformed to the world. Your philosophy, your way of thinking is being shaped by the movies you watch, the TV you watch, Things that, you, things that this generation accepts are things that were utterly despised 50 years ago. Does truth change? Has God changed? See, what happens? We're being conformed to this world. And the sad thing is you look around the church and the ch- you can't tell the difference many times between the church and the world. Now, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here, but we seem to be the followers. We seem to be the followers in just about everything we do. They set the pattern. They, set the, they come up with the new technology. They come up with the new music. They come up with this. They come up with that. And the church trots right along behind. Well, let's do it that way so we look like the world. And everything is being shaped according to what's going on around us. But the question is, what's, being, what's going on inside of you? Is Christ being formed in you to where you don't feel like you have to go along with the world? Do you know why people follow fads? They don't know who they are. People follow fads when they don't know who they are. And so they're looking for an identity. I do a whole thing on identity somewhere in the course of the year, maybe in discipleship evangelism. When you don't know who you are, you're going to look for an identity. And you're going to look for an identity that has a support group. 
where you can feel accepted because nobody wants to feel rejected. And so now the world is telling us how to decorate our bodies. Okay, I'm going to try and be real careful here. Here's the, here's the cool thing about getting older. The older, the, the older I get, the bolder I get. So if you want to hear what I really think, come back in 10 years. All right. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here, but what you're doing to your body, did that come from heaven or did that come from the world? See, you're being shaped. You're conforming yourself to the world. You're living by preferences and not by principles. See, things around us shape us all the time. And we don't even pay attention to it. There's a story about in Chile. We lived in Chile for many years. And they were going to build a highway out in the in some part of the country and they had to requisition a lot of property and there were property owners there and people that had houses way out in the boonies, way out in the country. And this one particular lady decided she wasn't going to give up her house. And so they, she got a lawyer and everything and so she was just a country woman but she had a little house and the highway was going to go right in front of her front door. And so it was going to be as far as from the first row to me. This is her front door, there's the highway. And, but she won, and she was able to keep her house. And so about six months had gone by, and the cars were zooming by at 70 miles an hour constantly right there. And so finally, one day, a TV channel sent a truck down, and they wanted to interview her and see how it's going. And so they get out, and they walk, she walks outside, and they put the microphone in her face and put, turn on the camera, and they said, Ma'am, you've been living here for six months now, just 10 or 12 feet away from the highway. Has this affected you in any way? She said, No. See, we're going to start taking the shape. <laughs> okay, I'll go over here. We're going we're to start taking the shape of our environment. And we don't even know it. Are you more concerned about what's being formed in you than what's taking place around you? Who's, who's deciding how you, how you think, how you live, the things you do? I've got some quotes. I love quotes. I think most of the students know that. Let me, let me give you some quotes here. Something by George Patton. Pressure makes diamonds. I like that. Pressure makes diamonds. If the right substance is being pressurized. Uh, some, something from Seneca. The pressure of adversity does not affect the mind of the brave man. The pressure of adversity does not affect the mind of the brave man. Edwin Cole, when the pressure comes from preferences, when the pressure comes, preferences give way while convic- convictions hold firm. See, what, are you, what, are you, what, what drives you? What motivates you? See, I'm trying to answer the question, why do you need to be in Bible school? Why do you need to be in Bible school? You need to know who you are. You need to learn how to pray and believe God. You need to know what you truly believe and stand on that and nothing is going to move you. The opposite of courage is not cowardice, it's conformity. Jim Hightower, whoever that is. This is me. 
You can follow the beaten path of the world or you can leave a trail in your pursuit of Christ. Are you going to follow the big path that everybody else is following or are you going to leave your own trail? See, what's important to you? When people are free to do as they please, they usually imitate each other. Some of these you need to think about. See, we, we, we all talk about and sing about how, how free we are in Christ, but then we all want to do what everybody else is doing. See, it's time for people. We need to have a, a generation of young people. And that's, man, that's my heart in this school. I want to see a generation, not just young people, all people, but I want to see a, a generation of people that will stand up for what they believe, know what they believe, be able to defend what they believe, not be embarrassed about what they believe. And no matter who says what, you're going to stand there. And if they say, bow down at the sound of this and kiss, kiss the feet of the idol, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Because you know who you are. If you don't control your mind, someone else will. Here's my favorite. Dead fish always go with the stream. (laughs) If you just find yourself going with the flow, you're a dead fish. All right? If you're never swimming upstream, if nothing's ever a conflict in your life, if you never see... Man, when I hear things... I've I've been in the Word for 40 years now. And I've got a hard drive up here. And when I hear things, I know that's false. That's false. But I know other Christians, they will hear the same thing. Well, hallelujah, I'd never thought of that. Well, that's great. Well, well, that's just the neatest thing. And I'm thinking, excuse me, there's 23 scriptures that just contradict that. But you don't know them. So you're being shaped by other people's opinions. You're being shaped by new doctrine, new truth. And you don't know the word. And you're letting other people conform you to their image But you're not concerned enough about Christ being formed in you so that you know truth. You know what you believe. See, what my heart here is to see people come out of here addicted to the word of God. They know how to think. They know how to reason. They know how to get in the word and find the answers, connect the dots. That's what you should be all about. Not just finding your favorite teacher and letting them tell you what to believe. I would say, don't believe me. Don't believe Andrew. Get the information, but you need to hear from God. You need to know how to do this yourself because the day might come when they say this Bible is offensive. We need to get it out of society. No more Bible in public because too many people get offended when you carry your Bible. So then what are you going to do? See, right now everybody's brave. I'm going to carry my Bible. But if you've been conformed and if you're more concerned about being rejected than you are about standing for Christ, you may start leaving your Bible at home. Because it's offensive. I'm telling you, things are coming, folks. I don't know if you realize. If you, I just have to glance at the headlines. I can tell you, things are happening. Things are coming. Things are changing. Nebuchadnezzar, our Nebuchadnezzar is the world in which we live. And he's saying, bow down to me. Submit to my new social agenda. Submit to the way I feel about abortion and the way I feel about this and the way I feel about that. The world is our Nebuchadnezzar. And if you don't, You're not going to be accepted. Is that important to you? Those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. If 50 million people say a foolish thing, it is still a foolish thing. There's there's so much, folks. 
so much. Andrew was talking about Elijah the other day, and I love the story of Elijah. I, I preach from that too a lot. In 1 Kings 17, 1, it says, Elijah says, I'm come to you in the name of the Lord God before whom I stand. Who do you stand before? See, he had conviction. He had conviction, was willing to stand up before the king who could have lopped off his, his head right there. Before whom I stand. Why do you need to be in Bible school? You might feel that you're being called. But if you're not, it's like Smith Wigglesworth said. says, when I get up in the morning, if the spirit doesn't move me, I move the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you just need to move the spirit. And just decide, I'm tired of the life of mediocrity. I'm tired of the life of being formed and conformed and shaped and, and all of this stuff. I'm tired of the world telling me how to believe. And, and I'm not sure even what I believe or why I believe it. I'm just listening to my favorite teachers. Man, it's time for you to take charge of your own life. And be responsible for what you believe and where it's coming from and how you're going to process it and what your convictions are and what you're going to live by. And quit worrying about what everybody else does. It's like the, they inter, we're interviewing the, woman, the oldest woman in the world. She's 100, 113 years old or something like that. And they say, what's the coolest thing about being the oldest woman in the world? She says, well, there's no peer pressure. <laughs> Go to Colossians with me. Colossians 2. Trying to stir you up this morning, folks. We are entering days that are going to be difficult. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather stand up here and preach rainbows and butterflies, but <laughs> we're entering into some, some tough times in our country. Other countries of the world are way ahead of us in tough times. They're way out there. They're already suffering. And whether things get better or get worse or come and go, it doesn't matter. You need to have a foundation. You, have, you can't base your joy on what is happening in the political world, for sure. You can't base your convictions on what they say on talk radio. You listen to that enough, you'll go crazy. You've got to have your own convictions that have been formed and shaped in the presence of God, in the word of God, by the Holy Spirit. You need to know what you believe. Is Christ being formed in you? Isn't that amazing that Paul would say, my little children with whom I travail in birth again, they had been born again. And another place in that same script, in that same book, he says, you've fallen from grace. I'm travailing again until Christ be formed in you. It got started well. But it got squeezed out. What, is Paul, what does uh, Jesus say in the parable of the sower? I've got that written down. I may switch things up here. Um, the parable of the sower. Is it Matthew 13? Yes. He says, they believed for a while, but had no root. They had no root. See, it hadn't been fully formed. It was, an, it was emotional, momentary. This sounds good. I'm going to try it. Let's go for it. But they had no root. And so when it says when persecution or affliction comes because of the word, they fall away. They fall away. And that's what's happening in Galatians. And Paul's saying, man, my, my, my children, I, I, I have such emotion, such love, such compassion, such desire. You're being 
driven, you're being driven away, you're believing something else, you're being conformed to a different gospel. I'm in travail until Christ be formed in you. What's being formed in you? Let's go to Colossians 1. I'm going to read, uh, just, I'm going to jump into uh, verse 22, speaking about Jesus. It says, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. He wants you to be grounded and settled and not moved away, which could probably infer that you can be moved away. That's Paul's heart. In, in almost every letter you find that, he's, he's, he's agonizing, he's groaning. He tells, tells the elders in Ephesus, he says, I know when I leave, grievous wolves are going to come in, even from amongst yourselves, and destroy the flock. Folks, we're in a battle. You're in a battle for your faith. And you are, there's an onslaught taking place daily. And many times we have the, all the windows open, the door and the garage door open, and we just let it all come in. And then we wonder where our faith is, and then we wonder why we, can, we try to pray and nothing happens, because we become conformed to this world. And we listen to everything everyone else is saying, and then we try to process it. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago, and I was sharing scripture with them. It says here this. It says, well, I, I know it says that, but I'm, I, I'm not sure how to process that. Excuse me? <laughs> See, that, that's, that's what it's come to. You can show people scripture in context. I'm not manipulating it. In context, right there, black and white or red and white. And well, I, I'm not sure how to deal with that. Because, because let me tell you what I think. Because I just don't believe that fill in the blank. I don't think God is like fill in the blank. This is, it can't be that way. And, and this is how I feel. And I've thought about it and... Hello? See, what's happened is that we're even losing our capacity to believe the word of God. And we are being conformed to the image of believing our own reasoning and our own emotions that they are now taking or trumping the word of God, taking precedence over the word of God. Well, this can't be true because I don't feel that that's right. It has nothing to do with what you feel. But once you start cutting, cutting loose your, your anchor from, that, the, from the word of God and start going by your feelings, and then teachers come along and they encourage you to reason according to your feelings. And they set up straw men and they say, you know, God, you can't, God would never do this. I mean, God is love for crying out loud. He would never do that. Well, God's a consuming fire too. God is holy and just. And God says some things in the word that are hard for some people to swallow, and so they reason them away. And they are conforming some good Christians to their image. And Paul says that you be grounded and not moved away. Now go with me to the Colossians 2. There's some, some words in here, and I want to look them up with you. Colossians 2. He goes on in this same vein. 
And we'll go to verse uh, 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then he goes on to say, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Beguile you with enticing words. Beguile means to trick or mislead, cheat, charm, divert, or deceive. Men will try to deceive you. And we're talking in the church. I'm not talking MSNBC right now. I'm talking in the church. Evaluating truth through their own reasoning, through their own deceived hearts. How many of you feel good about telling people you believe in creation? And if you're around a bunch of uh, evolutionists, you still feel good about telling them you believe in creation. (laughs) Or do you feel a little bit intimidated? You moron. There's no science for that. See, you want to be accepted. Well, I'll adjust a little bit. I believe that God is involved in evolution and Saying you begin to back away. You're being conformed. You're being shaped. And you don't even know it. Because you're more concerned about being accepted than you are by people than you are about pleasing God, having Christ formed in you. Don't be beguiled. Let's go on down to verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Spoil means to damage, harm, diminish, impair, to seduce, to be led away by feelings. Some of the newest ones now are the all men are saved, they just don't know it. If you've heard of that, that's my latest pet peeve. Called the gospel of inclusion. Everybody's saved, they just aren't aware of it yet. It's great if you want to go out and tell them. Folks, that's heresy. That's a doctrine of demons. And yet good people are being seduced and led away into this kind of teaching because they don't understand or have a revelation of what salvation is all about. They're not sure. Why aren't you sure? See, you need to be getting in the word and getting your own revelation, your own understanding. Other people are saying, hey, it's okay to sin. Sin's been dealt with on the cross. Anything you do, you can do whatever you want. It's okay. Grace isn't about you seeing how carnal you can live without feeling guilty. But that's what some people are teaching. Grace is about the power of God for a holy life. See, if you're living a carnal life and using grace as your I don't feel guilty card, then you're not in grace. You're in deception. But you're being seduced. It's okay to fornicate. It's okay to take drugs. It's okay to smoke and drink. It's okay to look, get as close to the world as I possibly can and not look any different and not feel guilty about it. You've been seduced. You've been seduced. Why would you want to look like the world? You know the world, you know sin, think about sin for a second. It doesn't change much. It's all the, always the same thing. People getting drunk, people getting high, people having sex, people lying to each other, beating each other up, killing each other. I think I've about covered it. There's nothing new out there in sin. And yet people are trying to get as close to that as they can without feeling guilty. And to prove, see, grace, grace has made me, no, you're an idiot. 
I'm 60 now, I can say that. (laughs) You've cut loose from the truth. And the word is no longer your foundation. And Paul is grieving. He says, until Christ be formed in you. Don't be conformed. Don't, have the, don't let the pressure of the world shape you into its mold and tell you what to think and what to believe and what to accept and know what not to accept. You have to know what Christ believes. That's the only thing that matters. And when they come and tell you, bow down. Are you willing to give your life if you don't bow down? Say, hey, shoot straight right here. Go. <laughs> I'm out of here. Praise God. You're not, you're not going to bow down. Let's go on. Verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you. That's where a lot of us start falling away. Start getting judged. Oh, well, I don't like that. I want, I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. Let no man there judge, therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or a new moon or of the Sabbath day. Verse 18, let no man beguile you. He says it again. So we've got beguile twice. We've got spoil once. We've got judge once. This whole chapter is about you standing firm and not letting people come in and tell you how to believe, what to think, how to act. They can't judge you about what you do. But if you don't know the truth, you're going to get conformed to them. And I see good people, people I've known for years, that are being conformed to silliness. And religious baloney or worldliness because there's no root. There's no root in them. Why do you want to go to Bible school? Let's finish up in Psalm 1. I'm running out of time here. Psalm 1. You ought to just want to go because you value your life so much that you can't live another day without getting grounded in the word and being in an environment where Christ can be formed in you. And that should be more important to you than anything else in this world. That's why you should want to go to Bible school. Praise God. I almost feel like I want to enroll again, Gary. (laughs) I've talked myself into it, yeah. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not... In the counsel of the ungodly, that's being conformed. Nor stands in the way of sinners, being conformed. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful, being conformed, shaped, pressured. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You want to know why some of your prayers aren't getting answered? You want to know why some things aren't taking place in your life? Because you've been conformed to this world. And Christ hasn't been truly, fully formed in you, and so faith isn't working like it should. It's, the potential is greatly reduced because you've, you've cho- chosen the wrong Lord, the wrong emphasis, the wrong focus. He says, if your delight is in the law of the Lord, you'll be like a tree, verse 3, planted by rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in your season. Your leaf shall not wither. Whatever you do shall prosper. Praise God. Praise God. That's why you should go to Bible school. Don't be conformed. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't listen to what the TV tells you you should believe. You be who Christ created you to be, and you're going to be unique. You're not going to be like anybody else. That was one of the greatest days of my life when I realized I don't have to be like someone else, the way I talk, the way I minister, the way I walk and talk and dress. and I don't have to be like anybody else. I'm me. 
And it, you know, laugh at me if you will, but I got excited about that. That I'm me, and I can be me, and I'm going to be who I am in Jesus, but that I'm unique. I have value. And my value comes from my foundation in God's word. Praise God. Anybody gotten anything out of this? All right. Praise the Lord. I've got one minute and I think I'm done. So those of you that weren't sure about if you're coming or not, I've laid it on the table for you. All right. Praise God. God bless you. Have a great day. minute break we'll see you at 10 10 and what we're going to do next is have a time of question and answer session with andrew so see you at 10